Welcome to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 099. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Welcome back. You know it. Dr. Michael Bug, Dr. Jonathan Light, the Veterinary Project Podcast. We've been through that 90-some times now. How is it going, Dr. Bug? It is going well, Jonathan. It's going well. It's crazy. It might even be a hundred times by this episode coming out. Who knows? I have no idea. We got lots in the hopper. Exciting times for the Veterinary Project podcast. But even more exciting is exciting times in the bug household. What is shaking in the world of Mike and Rosalie? (laughs) Okay. Well, so yeah, we're expecting. Expecting another kid, so... That, that is exciting and scary. I mean, it's way more exciting than scary, only scary in the sense of, I find you always look at people that have more kids than you and, and wonder how do they do it? You know, one is busy. You look at people with two and three and you're like, how? And then the answer is we'll figure it out. But yeah, come mid October, 2022, there will be another, another critter under the roof. My friend, you and Rosalie are going to do fantastic. And number two, Again, personal opinion, N of one is much easier than number one. They figure it out. They're left to the wolves. They get it. They don't die. And it is going to be fun. I'm quite excited oh, yeah. for you guys. I'm looking forward to it. We're not finding out um, boy or girl on this one. So it'll be a, a full-on surprise. I wondered what you guys were going to do with that. Yeah. So are you prepping for the room or doing any of that? Or are you going to wait last minute and color scheme? Well, yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're not prepping the room. Um, I don't know. I guess we're winging it at this point. So, I mean, we're, we're set up. We have all the stuff from Riley. Uh, if it, if it happens to be a boy, I'm sure we'll buy some blue stuff somewhere, but I don't know. Other than that, we're all set. So with October delivery, how much of spread is there going to be between Riley and little baby Michael number two? Uh, there'll be three years. So she was September. So three years, one month. Oh man, she's gonna be a big sister. She'll take it over. You guys will be yeah, rocking she's, and rolling. She's already excited about it. Like, is she? Oh yeah. So it'll be fun to to see how that all plays out. Oh, it's it's part of the journey, dude. Well, congratulations on behalf of our vast number of listeners that are listening right now. Congratulations as well too. Let the chirping begin. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. I'm excited. Darn right. Well, today is an exciting conversation as well. Uh, two friends and colleagues that have wanted to have on before uh, or in as quickly as we could. And that is both Dr. Sean Neat and Leilani Mustillo is what I was asked to pronounce uh, her great Italian name. For the listeners, you got to go watch that on YouTube because Jonathan really got into that last name. 
got to enjoy, enjoy a great Italian name. Now, uh, Leilani and Sean are um, both CEO and CFO, excuse me, Chief Veterinary Officer, so not CFO, of Animal Health Link. Before we get into this conversation, do want to um, just let everybody know that Mosaic Veterinary Partners, of which I am a partner in, is also an investor in Animal Health Link. So therefore, I do have a vested interest in acknowledging that I want this company to succeed and I have a personal place to make that happen as well too as an investor in the company. So with that aside and that to the side, really excited still to have uh, Leilani and Sean on even more to talk about the great work they're doing within the veterinary industry. Mike, you and I talk about this nonstop right now in terms of the problems in the industry and possible solutions and or just looking at alternatives to negativity that seems to be, you know, persistent. And Sean and Leilani, as we're going to get into this conversation, talk about that, how they came together and what they're doing to try and address our current situation. Would you not agree? Yeah, it was neat hearing their background stories, you know, and how how they weaved through that and then came together, saw the challenges, but then saw some solutions and took action on it. That's right. So let's move forward uh, first with bios so that we all get to know both Leilani and Sean. Leilani is CEO was and is born and raised Albertan who completed the Olds College Animal Health Technology Program in 2009. And since graduating, she has worked in specialty and emergency medicine in both nursing and management roles. Since 2015, she has been an instructor in Olds, Olds College Animal Health Department. As an advocate for RVT advancement, she has a love for mentoring and training those who are new to emergency and critical care medicine with her favorite topic being, of course, emergency triage. Meanwhile, Sean, as Chief Met Veterinary Officer, grew up in Alberta and originally obtained a Bachelor of Commerce from the University of Alberta, but switched careers and graduated from the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Calgary. After graduation, Sean completed a rotating small animal internship at a referral institution in Calgary. After spending several years in referral and emergency medicine, he moved to family practice. Sean is currently a practicing partner in a group of veterinary hospitals in Calgary, and Sean enjoys a mixture of clinical cases and leading teams in growing their practices. Please enjoy a wide-ranging conversation with Dr. Sean Neat, Leilani Mustilo, and Dr. Michael Bunn. Sean and Leilani, thank you very much for joining Mike and I on the Veterinary Project podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have the both of you guys on. Both of you I've known in different ways for a number of years now. And uh, with the growth of AHL and what you guys are doing in the industry, this absolutely made sense to have you come on. So thank you very much, first of all, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're both really excited to be here. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, face to face, speaking of that, we got to get together on Saturday night at the ABVMA Leadership Conference and, you know, really just catch up. Welcome to post-COVID and seeing people face-to-face. -face. And it's great, you know, learning about family, what's happening in businesses. Otherwise, um, just a pleasure. So look forward to seeing where our conversation goes this afternoon. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So before we get started on all things AHL, I think really nice for our listeners to get a perspective on who you are as individuals. Tell us a little bit about uh, what got you to this stage in your careers, which have 
for both of you really evolved over time. And it's been a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I, uh, so I'm an RVT by trade. So graduated in 2009 from Olds College. Uh, and then I went on to um, emergency and critical care medicine, where really is my first love. I worked in GP for a few months and I kept, you know, every time a pet would come in, I'd be like, do you ever see anything like a gunshot wound or <laughs> dog hit by a car? And that vet was like, I think maybe you belong in emergency medicine. So um, went on to, to emergency uh, medicine and was there for, for quite some time um, in, in various roles. Um, started off on the floor, obviously, then moved up to RVT supervisor. And then I was um, medical care manager um, for a few years as well. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, had, uh, had three babies and um, needed uh, to have a, a little bit of a, a change career-wise, but definitely wanted to stay in vet med. So um, do you want to tell a little Thanks. bit about here? Yeah, so um, uh, as you guys know, I'm a veterinarian by trade, um, and you know, I have previous life in uh, in the corporate world as well, which kind of uh, has lent a lot of background into into the startup side as well, which has been um, now we can see it's been very useful. Um, but uh, when I was a student and an intern, uh, that's where I had actually met Leilani um, oh, eight nine years ago now. Um, and uh, at the referral center that we both uh, worked at. And so I started off my career in uh, uh, emergency and referral medicine, uh, worked in emergency for several years after that as well. Um, a similar boat, started having uh, kids and family and, you know, had to make some uh, priorities straight in terms of hours of work. And uh, so made the shift over into general practice, uh, been lucky enough to find some great partners and uh, I'm a, a partner in a group of practices, uh, general practices here in Calgary as well. Um, so I kind of have a uh, bit of a various, uh, a variety of um, uh, interests in, in veterinary medicine. And, uh, and then obviously when Leilani and I kind of brainstormed this, this, this was, uh, this added to that repertoire. Well, let's get into that a little bit, because there is a good little story here, which uh, I actually didn't know about until Saturday night, <laughs> to the genesis of the conversation of the two coming together. Now, Sean, knowing you since being a student at the Care Centre, Leilani, we worked together at the Care Centre. Leilani, in our pre-recording, you made mention of, I have three kids. It is expensive even for child day or daycare, and this is something we hear in the veterinary space a lot three children, daycare, can I even afford to do that, let alone continue in my career as it goes? And at that point, you would say, ah, I need to do something different. Tell us a little bit about what that looked like and basically the two of you coming together, because I think it's a good one. Sure, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I was, uh, and, and like Sean said too, you know, trying to prioritize family life and this career that I love. Like, it, it, I truly love it. And it's something that I'm going to be in for the rest of my life um, and really felt like I, I found my calling. Um, so when I got to the point where I don't know if I can continue with, you know, how I was working before, I was honestly devastated, like heartbroken. Um, and I didn't want to become another statistic because I had seen so many um, veterinary professionals leaving the field for various reasons. And I was like, I really don't want that to be me, but what am I going to do? Um, so I started thinking, 
kind of a, a combination of things like, what am I good at? I'm really good at triage. I love triage. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also have this, this other issue of, of vet professionals leaving the field. Um, so started to kind of look into that and, and I was really interested in telehealth as well at the time. So, um, had thought, you know, maybe I could work for a a clinic individually and do some, uh, sort of telehealth, um, telehealth things for them. And so I was chatting with a friend of mine who at the time was a vet student, uh, and we were kind of texting back back and forth. And she happened to be on a rotation at Sean's clinic. And I swear I hadn't, like, it was maybe two seconds after I said, I don't know if I'm going to go back to, um, you know, my previous workplace. I get a text message from Sean in like big capital letters, like Leilani, what, what are you doing? I heard you might not go back. And so, um, you know, I, he, he was like, can I call you when work is done? So when he was finished work, he called me um, and we had like a two hour brainstorming session. <laughs> um, Something ridiculous like that. From, uh, <laughs> yeah. And we just kind of really, you know, um, talked it out and um, he had some great ideas to bring to the table, not to mention like uh, he's got a business background. So, so really thought about, you know, this, this is something you could do not only at the clinic level, but on a wider scale. And so we really fleshed out the idea there over like a two hour brainstorming session. And then we met up for lunch later that week and we were like, you want to do this? (laughs) Okay, let's do it. So happened pretty quickly. Yeah. So exciting. And I think also for, for listeners as well, too, this is not your first venture in terms of, and I'm going to quote this, even though it is absolutely not a side hustle in a side hustle proposition as a business within veterinary medicine. So did you, when Leilani call you, think, hey, you know, here's an opportunity to do something different with Leilani from a business perspective or just going, she's a great individual. I've known her for years, need her connected in somehow. What, what did that look like from your perspective? <laughs> well, as you know, the success of your business in vet med right now and your practices is based on recruitment. <laughs> And, and of our conversation on Saturday night. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and those who work with me know me that I'm very, uh, I'm very, very heavy on the recruitment side, on the mentorship side. Um, but knowing Lilani and knowing her, um, her capabilities, how good of a person she was, her integrity, um, the the moment I, I knew that she wasn't going back to care, I was like, okay, let's chat. And I was, I knew that I needed leadership um, within within our group, and we were we were expanding a couple of clinics, and um, and that was my initial thought. Like, let's 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 chat regarding um, something, right? And it actually, when she brought up the telehealth thing. Um, it's, it was interesting cause, cause my wife and I had been, um, looking at some of that stuff, you know, the year previous. And, um, so we, so I was, I was relatively familiar with the different offerings that were out there. Um, but, uh, what Leilani was proposing kind of on an individual clinic level, um, she kind of pitched and I said, well, I don't think I'm going to use that on my four clinics right now, but I think there's a really scalable business that could completely change this industry. Um, we just have to do a little bit of research and see if there's a true demand for that. Um, so, yeah. And so it came, um, so that's kind of where it came up. It was like a, a silly Friday night 
discussion where, you know, we thought it was seven o'clock and it's nine o'clock all of a sudden, um, <laughs> cause you just get those juices flowing. Right. Um, and so, yeah, then we took a few days, did some research and asked around and, um, met up and we said, I, I think this is viable. Um, let's just, what do we, how do we get this off the ground? Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the same for me, like having worked with Sean previously, it just made the decision to, you know, work together, own a business together, which is a huge decision. And, and as you guys know, can make or break the business really, depending on the relationship there. So I knew we had a good relationship, but above that is just for me, I working with Sean so closely, I have never, um, I've, I've never questioned anything he's done, like his integrity. He's, he's always, every decision he makes is, um, it's just above board. It's always, you know, putting the patient first, putting the staff first. Um, and so that was, that was a really easy no brainer for me. And, uh, yeah, the level of respect that we have for each other as well is, is really made it a, a, I have no question that I made absolutely the right decision. Definitely. Excellent. So then you take that and you go, okay, chatting about a problem. It absolutely exists in veterinary medicine opportunity, i.e., hey, I need to take my career in a different direction based on family and transition in life. Same thing for you, Sean, and looking at opportunities and evolution within family. You see this problem. Lots of people see problems. Our last podcast guest, we talked about this. Lots of discussion in veterinary medicine about the negativity of veterinary medicine. Oh, what was us? Again, I'm going to probably get slapped on that somewhere, but it's true. You guys take that problem and you turn it into a possible solution. Fantastic. Walk us through how AHL has come to be, what it is today in 2022, and what the, um, what the, what the mission and goal was for what the both of you guys were seeing in practice. Because I think it's really important. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I mentioned before we um, just seeing veterinary professionals leaving uh, the industry. And it's for different reasons, like veterinarians leave for, for different reasons than vet techs do. But when we did our research and looked into, you know, why are they leaving? Um, it, it was kind of cool to see that it, it actually might be a solution to each other, like where um, what vet techs want to do um, in practice instead of leaving practice um, is kind of what's going to be the solution to why vet veterinarians are leaving. Um, so so that was that was really cool to see. Um, and, and so then from there, that just, I mean, that makes a huge impact to me because like I mentioned, I, I love veterinary medicine and I don't want to see my colleagues leaving. So, um, that was really a, a huge catalyst for us is, is being able to keep our colleagues in the industry. Um, and we started off, um, you know, we're one of our, our partners is, um, Mosaic Veterinary Partners. And so we started off with, with their clinics, um, just really small, just four, four veterinary clinics. And I think we had like 15 operators at that time. Um, and, uh, it just really snowballed from there. Like it um, <clears throat> really, really caught fire pretty quickly. And to the point now we have about like 40 or 50 operators, uh, RVT operators working for us. Um, and we have clinics across seven provinces, um, as well as we're in the States now as well. Um, so yeah, things have moved along pretty, pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. And, and the evolution of it definitely, uh, we, we obviously could have gone about it in a few different ways. And 
Um, Leilani and I looked at a few different factors early on and said, okay, well, we obviously need um, some expertise. Like we knew we knew the the biggest demand was on the on-call side, so mixed animal practice. And, and we need to fill that gap um, uh, with the large animal side. So that's where Mosaic came in. We also, you know, had to look heavily at the regulatory side as well. Um, and so looking at all those factors, say what, what kind of service can we provide that, that will resound and help them, but also... Um, be financially feasible, how do you price this, um, and be within regulatory um, uh, bounds as well. So, and, and, and how much money do we, do we put up? And, you know, the nice thing is with all the pre-existing technology, we, we, if you look at how much we put forward, you know, we essentially bootstrapped it, right? We, we pieced together some technology, we um, put a little bit of money into it, and we created the protocols and we and uh, we looked at a lot of the research on the human side um, uh, before launching it, and then Mosaic was kind of our guinea pig <laughs> as we uh, <laughs> honed in the service and what worked, what didn't work. You know, what are the wait times like? How do we? Um, what, what kind of metrics are we are we getting from these this beta test and that? Um, but then, yeah, it just it just started to snowball. I you know, can say from the other side of the equation, and it's not often on our podcast that I have, uh, you know, business partners and obviously being a partner in Mosaic, we have a financial interest in AHL and saying that in our introductions, uh, I actually, I, I see the other side and I go the hard work that you guys have done to ensure that your clients being us as practices are well looked after and then providing the data to back that up so quickly to see that as you described perfectly, Leilani, our call volume for after all after hours triage, what drops on an average of 70%, 75%, depending on the month. And we could see that within the first three months where I have veterinarians that say, if it wasn't for AHL, I couldn't stay here anymore. And I know that sounds like a sales pitch, but that's the real. That is actual real in a time of conf- or a time of COVID, people couldn't get into the practice. What are they doing? They're making phone calls. All of a sudden, AHL was helping us with that and keeping our vets sane at the same time as providing a, a very educating, you described this, and I think you described it a little lightly, the protocols in place to ensure that your operators knew what was happening at the clinic to be able to appropriately triage. I've not seen that in our industry yet. And I know that there are other operators and companies that are out there, but for us in Western Canada and now North America, I think that is a huge advantage for any clinic in this day and age. Standardization quality backup and I, we could keep on going mm-hmm. that's a big yeah. deal in this day and age yeah it's it's a it's a huge deal for us too and that's something you know I had said when we started as well is that I I want to standardize triage which has never happened in veterinary medicine I I don't mean just on on our level and teletriage I mean triage in general um being a new grad going into emergency medicine it was scary having to having that power in your hands of, I have 25 cases on the board and I have to figure out which one goes where. And I mean, even looking at teletriage, teletriage is nothing new. It's been around since the dawn of veterinary medicine. You call the veterinarian or the veterinary clinic and and figure out if your animal needs to come in. Um, But the difference is depending on who you talk to on the other line, um, they might have different clinical experience. And so they're gonna ask a different set of questions 
which means that they're going to give different advice, which means you're going to get different patient outcomes. Um, and for me, that's what really bugged me about the whole triage side is that I really want to standardize things so that no matter who you talk to, um, we have a set of protocols and rules. And so that's, that's where that started. And we've got like over 200 um, protocols based on presenting complaint um, to help our, our operators as we call it a decision support tool rather than a decision making tool, because of course you still need to include that nursing judgment and that critical thinking um, along with those protocols. And, you know, studies on the, the human side show that that makes a huge difference in terms of patient outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Jonathan, I just wanted to cl- clarify kind of for myself, but for the listener, when you mentioned the 70 to 75%, are you, are you meaning that of the X number of call volume that comes in, you can triage what the veterinarian actually gets called out to like down by that amount? That's right. Yeah. So um, we filter on average 75% of the phone calls away from the veterinarian after hours. So um, instead of them having to take a phone call at 2 a.m. about, um, you know, a dog who's reverse sneezing, we will take that call and they will not get disturbed um, unless it's an emergency. And really, veterinarians don't mind coming in for their patients to help with an emergent situation. It's all of those calls that um, I mean, the, the owner's worried. I don't blame them for calling in, um, but all of those can lead to, to very little sleep. And then they're going into clinic the next day and working these long shifts to try to fit all those patients in. And then again, overnight, they're taking all those phone calls again. So, so yeah, we, we filter 75% of the calls away from or divert them away from the veterinarian. Yeah. And, and the ones that they do have to come in for, we're, we're, we're setting them up for success with logistical support, the reporting, you know, reduces their, their time writing the files. Um, we help arrange timing for when to meet at the clinics. Um, for the large animal folks, when you've got multiple C-sections lined up, you know, we've got basically the, the map and timing and, and helping prep. Um, you know, essentially you're the uh, we're, we're an extension of their team, um, after hours and cause, cause on call can be lonely. Um, so from so, a safety no, mechanism as well too, I know that for, you know, some of our folks that are on call and they recognize, Hey, AHL's on the line with me. They know when they're on the line, they know when they're expected at that farm or when they're expected back at that clinic again, it's been a huge safety factor. And I know that's not the formal, but it is, it comes into that, that, um, that comfort level of having another person, just like you said, that loneliness as well, Sean. And I'll also add, and again, I, this, this is not what I had expected to happen with the service, but what I think is really nice is I've been in part of the morning huddles where you have AHL's reports in terms of what's happened overnight. And some clinics we share between multiple clinics, those reports, because clients are spread across multiple clinics. Well, now we have a framework of a standardized appointment that's already occurred that can get into medical records. And because the operators are trained to the way that a medical record needs to be written, that can just go right in, which means we are affording everything that's expected from your association. The doctors can be comfortable taking that the next steps. And holy heck, does that make you feel a lot less anxious at 8.15 in the morning? I can say that personally. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And especially um, for the doctors, you know, after hours, they can just show up and treat, which is what they want to do, right? They, they have a five-minute conversation with us. 
we give the, we round the case to them, let them know the pertinent information. And basically I take that 15 minute conversation that I've had with the owner. That's all over the place. Like I adopted him when he was five years old from the SPCA and he likes to eat pickles for dinner. And I condense it into a, um, like a two minute conversation with the veterinarian to say, this is what's going on. This is the pertinent information. They are going to arrive at 1245 AM. They are aware of the after hours fees. Would you like a safety check? Um, And then it's, you know, they, they just get to show up and treat and they get, they get the report and they, they already have the history there. That's great. All is not roses, meaning you have had to struggle and or work with organizations from a regulatory framework standpoint. Again, likely not what you expected. And I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this answer, whatever way it looks like uh, my assumption is it's not what you expected when you came in and forming the business and getting going off the ground. Tell us a little bit about what that looked like, because there is a regulatory framework we all have to abide by as professionals in this field. Yeah, sure. So, no, and this is, um, it's a great question, because when we first started um, brainstorming, we had all these great ideas. And, you know, you see all the apps out there, you see all the... um, uh, you see all the advice and all these new telemedicine companies coming up, right? And um, trying to make waves. However, um, the, the regulatory side um, is sitting there saying, look, you can't do it this way. What are you going to do about it? And it just becomes this, this giant mess. Um, so when we, when we kind of created our initial thoughts, we had one of our... Um, business expansion ideas uh, for kind of year two, year three, um, was actually a direct-to-client um, platform. Uh, but after, but, but we also knew that we had to have some conversations with experts on the regulatory side. So we did that. We contacted regulatory agencies. We had early conversations and said, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. We want to be on side with this. We're making this to, to improve the veterinary industry and to improve access to, to um, veterinary care and to protect the public, not um we're not here just to make a buck. Um, so, so there were some early conversations that went on where we said, you know what, this, this actually, um, this side of the business, uh, uh, we have to put on hold. Um, and so we, we looked and said, how is, how do we um, create a sustainable business here? And how does that look? And um, how does that evolve? And um, so we really focused on that business to business model Um and it's actually served us exceedingly well uh, because uh, we can, because we're using registered veterinary technologists, um, we can, between geographic, and we won't go too much into the, the details, as you know, the regulatory side can be quite, um, it's so variable between all the different jurisdictions. Um, but because we're utilizing each accredited practice in their regulatory region, as well as registered veterinarians as the supervising um, agents of our RVTs in those areas, um, uh, we can uh, we can provide service to a much larger um, or to 
to a wider spread. We we obviously have to we we obviously can't be everywhere because it depends on um, where techs are registered, et cetera, et cetera. But the um, uh, but it allows us to uh, to work with practices in different areas is kind of what I'm what I'm trying to say. Um, and yeah, we'll and next, but. well, I mean, AHL as a company, we are absolutely committed to working within regulatory bounds. That's been the get go from 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 the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, the, the, one of the things that's been an advantage to us as well is just learning um, what the different regulations are province to province. Um, because they are very variable, how they're going to define what is considered practicing veterinary medicine. And then even under that, what, what fits under the telehealth umbrella, um, how they separate telemedicine versus teletriage. Um, so really navigating that and, and knowing that really well has, has definitely helped. Obviously, moving into the States, there's 50 different um, jurisdictions that you have to get to know the regulations for. But I think in general, um, it's always going to serve you well to to want to make sure that you're complying with those regulatory bounds. And I think too, um, it can be scary um, working with those those regulatory bodies because I think what a lot of us hear because um, you know we read the magazines and we see um, some of the consequences of actions of of um, certain veterinary professionals um, and the mandate of most of the um, regulatory bodies is to protect the public. But sometimes what we as veterinary professionals hear is we're trying to protect the public from you, um, which isn't necessarily what those regulatory bodies are trying to do, but it's what we hear. Um, and so really getting those defenses down and working with the, the regulatory bodies together to say like, hey, we're, we both have the same mission here, which is to improve veterinary medicine. Um, has has you know really really helped us succeed. Yeah, and I will say at the end of the day, the um, some of the initial conversations were scary, but they've all turned out to be very collaborative. Well, you know, vast vast majority of, of folks in the regulatory agencies they've been in practice, they they know the struggles, and when they see that we're trying to do this properly um, and do this safely. Uh, the the tone changes very quickly into a very collaborative, positive. How do we make this work? And here's what you need to do on your end to make sure that um, uh, that you'll be compliant within our jurisdiction. It's great, absolutely great. And uh, from that standpoint, do you feel that there is um, an appetite for change? Because this is structurally, in my view, helping in our current veterinary shortage. From your perspective, from a regulatory, and you guys are the ones that are in knee deep with these regulatory discussions, is there appetite for structural change in the manner you're trying to do right now? I think so. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, those regulatory bodies are really just trying to hold us to a certain standard of, of veterinary medicine. That's that's what what they're trying to do. And so I think as long as they feel comfortable that you are meeting those standards um, and at the same time changing things for the better. Yeah, absolutely. They've been um, really open to, to talking about that. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you look at the philosophy behind why those regulations are there and why these bodies are there versus the actual rules and regulations and pieces of legislation in place, there definitely is an outdated 
portion of it, right? Um, so I think that, yes, there's an appetite for change to update a lot of the regulations and the policies to modern um, veterinary medicine, especially going through COVID, as we know, what is appropriate over um, virtual means versus what's not appropriate. Um, uh, but it is important that those philosophies are still kept in place, right? Uh, so, you know, should we be performing telemedicine out of a out of a, uh, an accredited facility or veterinary practice entity, depending on the jurisdiction that you want to call it in? I think definitely. But is there a way to set it up so that we can that the the bodies can appropriately um, supervise and uh and uh inspect and all that definitely as well um but it's going to take time as you know right and um uh, but i would say yes there's definitely an appetite um but from a veterinarian on the ground practice i also agree that it can't just be a full out open field either um with you and there's some that counter that that view but hey welcome to the world that we're in and yeah, there's a reason we have regulatory oversight. Uh, Mike, before I jump into the other questions, any perspective on that view and or the setup? No, nothing that on the regulatory piece. Um, I guess being like a, an outsider hearing about this, you know, kind of for the first time, the business to business model, if I'm a client and I dial Bridgeland Vet Clinic after hours, I don't even really know that I've been tr transported off to Animal Health Link or how does that look from like a client interface. Yeah, that's right. So we would fit into the practices um, phone system. So after hours, most of them will just um, forward over to us. And just like you said, they'll, they'll basically hear an inbound message saying you've reached Bridgeland Veterinary Clinics after hours service. Um, and then they can choose from the phone tree to speak to a registered vet tech that will um, triage the case for them and then yeah. go from there. So yeah, it is like an extension of them. We don't hide the fact that we're a third party service under contract by them as well though. Um, but um, but uh, to the clients, we are their chosen service. And I think that uh, we are your trusted vet clinic's chosen service. And I think that's a big thing in our industry because um, loyalty and uh, loyalty and trust in your individual veterinarian, I think still holds uh, a bigger piece than most people predict with our with millennials and gen z's yeah relationship and trust yeah uh switching gears just a little bit i'm completely going off the pre-recording now is tell us a little bit about the fun of setting up a business both from your guys's individual perspectives and then going together and going hey we've no you know we work together in a setting and we trust each other we understand each other's integrity but Tell us a little bit about the fun of setting up a veterinary business in an area that you didn't think you were going to go into and what that's looked like. Well, yeah, for somebody who wanted to change uh, work-life uh, balance and, and not work so much, I certainly <laughs> made an interesting choice. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a ton of work. Um, the, like I said before, working with somebody that you know and trust and um, respect it makes a huge difference and also just really believing in in the vision so for me I'm working a lot more than I was before actually 
Um, I have um, a really supportive spouse though. Um, and I just seeing how much it's impacted our staff um, of veterinary professionals just keeps me going. It, it energizes me for sure. So can, and, and sorry to jump in. Can we like quantify that? Like, and it doesn't need to be exact just because I know there's a lot of listeners, the, the entrepreneurial journey, like this, <laughs> is, this is a common thing where, yeah. so let's, let's throw a number to that, like best guess hours per week to get a business off the ground. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm probably for me, um, it could be anywhere between um, 50 to 80 hours per week. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Those, those, those first few weeks. Sean, you're the CFO. You're the chief veterinary officer. Yeah. yeah. What do your hours look like? Because I'd love to see what those are combined because you guys are. Well, and, and so it depends on um, uh, the week and what's going on. Yeah, because obviously I'm, I'm, I have, I'm a partner in Cooper Practice as well. Exactly. And, you know, and they're, um, they, I made a commitment to my partners and my group there to, work full time. Now I'm, I'm with, with mentorship hours and admin hours, I'm probably doing about two thirds clinical time, the rest um, admin mentoring, but that's still there. So um, when I'm, when I, the, 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 the benefit though, is that we do um, uh, as a group, we value vacation. So I get a decent amount of time off. Um, and so I take about, I take about half my vacation um, and really well, not half, probably 80%. Um, and, 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 and yeah, vacation and, and focusing on AHL. So um, on a, uh, a week where I'm busy in clinic, I'm probably in clinic, you know, we'll say 40, 50 hours a week. Um, and I'm probably working on AHL, maybe 20. Um, and then the weeks that I'm off right now, I'm probably doing maybe 40 hours a week on it, um, playing catch up and, um, that first, the first three weeks, cause off in January when we first launched, we were, we were probably putting in 60 to 80 hours each though. Like, um, you know, our meetings wouldn't start till 1130 PM at night sometimes. And, um, oh, sorry, uh, straight off there. Um, the, um, but yeah, no, the entrepreneurial, um, we had a lot of conversations early on, um, uh, when we decided to start to say, this is what our life is going to look like. Um, and, you know, we could put this money in this many hours and it's it's supposed to fail. Right. And, um, but uh, we can give it a shot and worst case scenario, it fails. And best case scenario, we create an awesome company that um, does a lot of good. Uh, so, yeah, we made that commitment. We had some pretty good conversations with our respective spouses and made sure that they were on board because, um, you, you know, to be a, a partner of an entrepreneur is a uh, is a huge commitment in itself. And we both have three kids each, and they're both young. Um, so, so that was um, uh, so that was I think the first hurdle we had to make sure that our um, our families were good with it. Um, but yeah, as you guys know, you have to wear a million hats in that journey. Um, so we, uh, we had to decide, you know, who was better at the visual side and who was better at um, creating protocols really quickly. Um, and so the, and then, you know, setting up 
uh, we both had to do some learn some basic programming for instance to link all our workflows together and try to piece together um, forms and emails and all that kind of stuff just to um, get the um, operators um, set up and uh, and hiring and firing and well not really firing but hiring and <laughs> HR and and all that. Um, my brother, thankfully, who's um, uh, um, a CA and uh, CFA. Um, offered early on to help with kind of the early bookkeeping. Um, and he's like, when you guys are successful, uh, you can pay me then. Um, but it actually evolved into a CFO role for him. So um, so, so he's now involved on, on a bit of a bigger scale. But um, And so we, we, we definitely identified the areas where we definitely we, we knew we didn't have time or the expertise for. Um, uh, we utilize Mosaic um, where we could as well, and um, and Greg's experience on kind of that uh, on the the board of directors and corporate side and and, and business side as well. So it's been it's been um, very rewarding. It's been challenging, um, but uh, I think where we're at now, you look back and um, it's pretty crazy to see where we're at within the time span. It was all worth it. Yeah. And I, I should say too, that the reason that we've been so successful as entrepreneurs, uh, it is not lost on me that a lot of it is because of our staff. Uh, we have an amazing group of RVT operators that are, RVTs are the heart and soul of this company. Like we could not run without them. And um, I, I am not just saying this, this is probably the best group of RVTs I have ever worked with in my entire career. So uh, that has made a, a, a huge impact yeah. on, on getting this off the ground as well. Yeah, they've, they've been nothing but, like, you, you can rely on them, they're, they give, they're positive, the feedback they give is amazing. And um, the, 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 a lot of them come on and take now more leadership roles in our company and some um, in supervision type roles. And um, we'll be coming to conferences with us. And, um, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been great. I think when we first started, what was the average experience? Oh, uh, for six months, the, like up the RVTs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're about like 15 years experience on, on average. average yeah. yeah. So they're very experienced. Yeah. Just unbelievable in a day and age where if you have a 15 year vet tech or technologist in your clinic, you are absolutely lucky because we know what the yeah, rates of attrition are. Uh, I love hearing what you're saying about team. Also love hearing effort. And I also loved hearing what you said about making sure that your spouses were on board, the family knew what you were getting into, even though you really don't know what you're getting into. But you can yeah. hear that in both of your conversations separately. And then the realization that this is not a part-time gig. You know, 50 to 80 hours a week, that's reality. Sean, partnership, life, family, all beside it, outside of it, still making it wrap together whichever way you work. Um, when you look at what the future holds for AHL in whatever form uh, that takes on, what are you guys most excited about? There's a veterinary business, which is still really in its nascency in the big picture. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, what continues to get you razzed up on a day-to-day? Oh, gosh. I, th- I think in general is helping my colleagues. Um, that That is the main driver and, and what really gets me going. I, I love that we'd be able to, to help more veterinary colleagues. Um, I would love to move into other countries as well, besides just Canada and the U S. Um, but yeah, that I think that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. You know, taking our service, um, and 
you know, right now the main the main service that we're offering um, is to that after hours group, but we've started moving into other. We've started utilizing the teletriage to improve workflow efficiency and quality of work life um, in other areas such as emergency medicine. Um, so being able to do that in different facets of veterinary medicine and, and see where, where they can take this and solve, solve more problems um, really, uh, really interests us as a whole. And um, so there's lots of, we're doing some ongoing research to say, to see where, where, where folks think that um, uh, our, our services will, will fit and, um, and where it can help. So, um, but yeah, honestly, the, when we get, when we get feedback from, um, from clients, um, of our practices, as well as from our practices for how much their life has changed since implementing the service, it makes it all worthwhile. Um, and same with our, same with our RVT operators, um, what uh, a difference it's made for their uh, for their careers and for their life, and um, it it really does it hits you right right in the center. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> no problem. No, I uh, I had the opportunity to sit at dinner actually with an RVT that is an operator with your company, and have never met her before. So we're chatting and going. She this is her reason for still being in the industry right now. And without going into the details, she was at a point where she needed to make a change. She took accountability for that. This was an opportunity for her. And she is now on that three to one shift, loves it. It affords her the time elsewhere in her life and still be able to make the dollars she needs for her, support her life. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and um actually when you look at our, our RBT operators and, and we've, um, We've pulled them. So 82% of them were thinking about leaving the veterinary industry before coming on to AHL. 82% of them, that's that's huge, right? And so to be able to keep our, our colleagues in vet med is, is just huge to me. And um, 88% of them said that it's had a positive impact on their, their mental health. So that that's what keeps me going. Sure does. Oh, Mike? We have to jump to the impact round. Bring it together. Anything <laughs> in conclusion. I can't, I can't tie it off. Just one thing that I really enjoyed, Sean, that you said very early uh, when you were talking about your transition from corporate and then over to the veterinary world, you said, now we can see it's been very useful. So I think you were referring to like all the skills you developed. And I see that so much with veterinarians. You know, our careers are really just collecting skills all over and we might not know why they all fit together or how they all fit together. And then mm -hmm. different pivots in life happen. And all of a sudden they all come together and it's like, Oh, there we go. That's why I went through, you know, those challenges earlier and developed those skills. Now I get to use them. Um, so that was something that jumped out to me. I, I really liked. Guys, lots of respect. Uh, I think for two individuals that I already, a lot of respect for, again, you've taken a problem, you've turned it into a solution that my own company is, you know, absolutely the team there respects acknowledges and goes we would not be in the position we are with would not be without ahl so it is fantastic and i'm really excited to you know when i chat with leilani and leilani 3 30 in the afternoon are you on a night shift or have you been overnight nope 
we've had rest and what's the future look like? There's just always that sense of excitement, but also realism to the challenge of building a new business, which is fantastic to see. Um, with that, we are going to move into the impact round. <coughs> and with the two of you individuals, we're going to go back and forth today and have some fun with this. Our first question for <coughs> our short impact round is, are you cats or dog people? I don't, I don't know if you saw my... <laughs> my cup here but is there a it's the sphinx cat it's the hairless <laughs> ones that she's all about <laughs> no, I, 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 <laughs> uh, i'm both the um right now technically i'm a cat person because we don't have a dog um but lynn and i are in um a constant debate about which next dog to get so um hey. yeah so does that then technically make you a cat person for the time? Yeah, being? we have two cats at home. I'm a cat person right now. <laughs> cat people. Yeah. Keeping it clean. I think, Mike, we're coming into cat territory again. I think there is more cat people than dog people again. There might be. We need an official running tally on this one. We do. Okay. True or false? I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian or a veterinary technologist in the profession since I was a kid. False. True. Leilani, where did you think you were going then? I didn't know. I was lost. I was in university doing a biochem degree because that's just what I liked. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it's kind of interesting how, you know, when you get on the right path, the universe just kind of lights up the way. And my dog got hit by a car. Um, we rushed him into an emergency clinic. And uh, that's uh, <clears throat> that's what kind of started the, the catalyst. I was distraught and I'll never forget um, Dr. Dave Bulin um, was the, the doctor at that time. And he came into the room and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, he's going to be okay. And I was like, I want to make people and pets feel this good. Um, and with, throughout the course of his hospitalization, we had um, vet techs coming in all the time to give us updates and, and do treatments. And so I started asking like, what is this? And, and so they told me and they said, you can, um, you can apply. There's a, a college an hour away. And uh, it was like you had one week left to apply. So I got all of my stuff together, applied, got in. And the when, my first day of college, they introduced your instructors. And guess who was the instructor? Dr. Dave Bulin. One of his last shifts was saving my dog. So, uh, <laughs> so I didn't know that. So yes. Yeah. That's so, awesome. um, yeah, that's that's how I got into it. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And, Dave Locum's the odd timeout with one of our practices. So the next time I see him, I'm going to have to share. That is fantastic. Man, I love how this world works. Yeah. Love it. It's such a small one. Yeah. It really is. Uh, this should be fun. How would your friends describe what you do for a living? <laughs> oh, gosh. We have friends after COVID? <laughs> uh, my, I think my friends would... Uh, They'd say I save animals. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, I think that they um, they still don't really get the AHL side. <laughs> they uh, they just think I'm a vet <laughs> with with a side with a side hustle. Um, but sometimes it's simpler to keep it that way. That's it? exactly it. Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite hobby? Oh gosh. We don't have time for hobbies anymore. Just going to say that. I was like, there's no chance you have time for hobbies. But when I do have time, I some of you may know that I am a zombie fanatic. Oh, yes. Um, so I love to um, do zombie cosplay. 
Um, I, I went back when we were doing zombie walks, I went on the zombie walks every year. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's my favorite thing, either watching zombie movies or, or doing zombie makeup. <laughs> Sean? Um, I think, you know, probably break it into, I'll say individual hobbies right now. I'd probably say golf is probably my favorite. Um, clubs are right over there just because our new offices have a, uh, have a simulator. So, <laughs> but the, uh, um, group stuff, I'd probably say right now, um, with the kids, favorite thing is probably, um, I've got them into baseball finally. So, so that's been good. Yeah. Nope. They're going to learn the baseball way. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Okay. What in this world are you most grateful for? Oh gosh. Um, I'm grateful for so many things. Um, Oh, I am grateful to be a woman in Canada, um, with great family and friends. Um, I'll be more specific because we just went went through it and I'm grateful that my family and I went, went through, um, COVID, our, our recent COVID infection in the household pretty seamlessly, you know, other than a bit of brain fog. So, so happy, very thankful for that health outcome. Yeah. Describe that brain fog. And I do not see that kicking in Sean today. Nice and clear. And that's <laughs> <laughs> important. Health is everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for joining today. It's a long time coming. was really excited to have the both of you on. Uh, I am, absolutely excited to see where the trajectory of Animal Health Link uh, is going um, for the benefit of the veterinary industry. I think there is a problem here that you have absolutely seen and jumped on in terms of solution, which meets the needs of both veterinary shortage, but then professional retention and everything that wrapped together. So excited to uh, take part in uh, a lot of respect for the both of you and what you were trying to accomplish here. It's a big deal. Yeah, well, thank you for having us on. And, and likewise, we have a, a lot of, of respect for you guys and, and what you guys are doing with the podcast. Yeah, definitely bring a lot of awareness to these issues. And, mm-hmm. and it's the first step in trying to create solutions, right? So um, thanks again for having us on. Yeah, excellent. Uh, if there are those that want to reach out, learn more about you, individuals, the company, anything like that, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, animalhealthlink.ca is our website. So you can find us there, but we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah. The normals. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then, uh, individuals, emails, anything else like that? Do you guys have Instagrams that you, that they can search you out on? Yeah. So we have, um, well, yeah, we have Instagram. We have, um, LinkedIn. Yeah. Info at animalhealthlink.ca gets, um, uh, is is our kind of general monitored email um, if anyone has any general questions. And on our website, there's some um, uh, traditional, you know, phone calls. We have, uh, uh, they could give us a shout or text as well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, as always. the sirens in the back? Sorry. No, That's just on the mini okay. level, but okay, okay. <laughs> enough to know that they're not coming to you. They're, they're going elsewhere. Okay. Tell. <laughs> so. Our conversation this afternoon ends with you guys. What message do you want to leave for the veterinary community? 
So um, I would say, you know, especially right now or in the, the past couple of years from the individual clinic level all the way to the industry wide level, we are we are in chaos <laughs> at the moment. And so um, Animal Health Link specifically, we're a, a company created by veterinary professionals to create a more sustainable um, industry practices. Um, but, you know, it, it's wider than that, too. I, I think I would encourage everybody to talk to their um, to their staff and see what they might need um, and listen to the answers um, and, and come up with with different solutions. And I, I know that um, that can be really scary, especially in, in vet med. We're, we're very scared of change. But something my dad used to always say to me um, when I would tell him I was scared of something uh, or, you know, fear had some sort of fear to do something as he would say, do it scared. <laughs> so, um, just because we're afraid doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't make that change. And so I think right now is a perfect time to be listening to, especially the, um, the, the new grads coming out and even our, our staff who are in there right now to see what they need, um, and, uh, really make this a, a sustainable industry because I love it so much and it has so much to offer. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group general feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.